episode of the Agile Monthly Podcast. I'm Clinton Langlesigich. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Roy Van Order. I tried to think of all the reasons why we didn't record a podcast, but they were all excuses. Yeah, um, the real reason is we went to the bar and went drinking instead. That sounds like an excuse. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a common pattern that we have observed at a few different places, um, and it kind of goes something like this. Um, you've got maybe some direction from the product side of the fence where, you know, the product owner's got a boss and they've got a boss and somebody comes down and someone's boss's boss says, you know, the team should do this. And so the product owner comes in and says, okay, here's what we're doing because my boss told me to do this. And then maybe that kind of gets going a little bit, gets some traction and there's some idea of what the team's supposed to be doing. But then maybe someone on the technical side of the fence, uh, like a dev manager or the dev manager's boss might say, well, I want something to be done on the team and I don't want to go in the backlog to get that stuff done. That might take too long. So they kind of force the dev manager to direct the team to do something. And since the team reports to the dev manager, the team feels obligated to do that. So it's kind of like um, a bunch of different parties in the organization playing puppet master with the team, and the team never really gets a whole lot of traction. Um, Would you say that's kind of a a fair assessment, Derek? Yeah, I mean, I think think the first pattern is that usually the uh, product manager, product, product, product person... Uh, has trouble extending the pattern that, that I tend to see is the product the product owner has trouble establishing authority and priority in the backlog because of stakeholders that they report to and okay, yeah. about the time they figure out how to get that done and they actually start to get the team baked a little bit and get going what happens is the dev management side starts to realize that uh, they're kind of no longer in control of their team which was probably an illusion to begin with and so to reassert control or authority back over their team, they tend to start asking their team to do things that aren't part of that prioritized backlog. And then the team kind of gets confused and there's all sorts of tension then between the product owner and the dev manager and the team doesn't know what to do because they want to do what product wants them to do, but they don't want to be fired and they report to the dev manager. And so they just there's like this crazy alpha thing that starts to happen and the team generally starts to go fairly batshit about that that time and all productivity goes out the window yeah so i've always wondered when we we see that if um if it's a situation where the team feels obligated to do what the product owner says because they feel like that's kind of like you know i read the scrum book or someone told me about scrum and that's how it's supposed to work but you know the fact that they all report to the dev manager if the dev manager can still assert control i you know i wonder maybe it's because usually the product owner is not at the same level or above the dev manager in the organization, so they don't really have the authority to go tell this person, like, too bad, you have to do things through the backlog, right? Well, I think what tends to happen is they tend to report usually to different tree structures. Right, okay. And then their bosses tend to report to different people, and oftentimes in an organization, they don't report, their tree structures don't cross paths until you're at the top tier of the organization. So... It, what what happens is uh, the the struggle kind of goes up a level or two, and then at that level, it's kind of like I don't want to bring this to my boss, like because Clayton, you and I report to the the CEO, and I'm the VP of Product Management, and you're the CTO, and our underlings are kind of having this out a little bit, which really we're having it out. We're just doing it through our direct reports, 
but we don't want to go to our boss and have it out because our boss is going to say, are you being a bunch of stupid little children? Why right. can't you get along? Yeah, we right. can't solve this pithy little problem but, on right. our own. Right, I think that's the answer. Right? It's like the, the, it sounds like the development manager and the product owner should need to talk and be like, hey, this isn't working. Because I, I kind of f- like the idea of the development manager being organizationally apart from the from the product owner. Like I kind of feel like they shouldn't have any... Uh, th- one shouldn't be above the other, I feel. No, I, I think I think that the the trouble that you run into is I think that the when you start to go at least on the scrum side, you start to do something that's more scrum oriented. Uh, you start to give a lot of power to the team through empowerment. Mm-hmm. So the direct dev manager f- feels like they're losing a lot of authority that they probably never really had anyways because yeah. they don't feel in control. And then from a product perspective. Um, the product owner starts to take a lot more authority about the direction of the product. And a lot of times, um, the CTO or the de- the senior dev manager or the dev director or the program director or whatever you want to call it on the dev side usually used to have a ton of influence into how the product was developed. And so they start to feel like their control or their influence is going away. And so I think a lot of it is insecurity of, wait a minute, you know, product, you don't actually need me and my management structure. You just need my developers. And now a lot of times what you then see is it's almost like the product owner is almost like the manager of the developers because the developers have respect for the product owner and are listening to the product owner and doing work for the product owner. And I, so I think what happens is you get panic, right? And the panic is like, I have to assert that I still have control over these people. So I'm going to ask them to do something. And if they do it, I know I still have control. If they don't do it and they defer to the product side of the fence, then I know I'm losing my control. And then that creates blowback upstream. Yeah, we. I think we've seen teams that have been fractured along those lines where there have been some people on the team who have the allegiance to the dev manager and that whole structure. And then some of them that just don't like that person or don't get along with their their manager. So they kind of gravitate towards the only other person that has somewhat resemblance to a manager, which is usually the product owner. They have this position of authority. So you get this kind of fractured team. So I think even if the people, the two people aren't trying to do it purposefully as a power struggle, you know, maybe maybe the dev manager overhears some conversation from the product owner or the product group saying that, you know, oh, that I wish the teams would go faster. So maybe they're not even trying to be malicious about it, but they think, oh, I need to jump in there and make the teams faster. You know, that's my job. I manage the teams. Um, you know, I think those are the kind of things that could you, you can accidentally cause kind of a, a rift right. in the team when you don't even mean to. I think I think it's just a matter of making a mental switch from like a command and control manager to more of a servant leader, right? Whereas a development manager, you're thinking start to think more in line of like how can I help the team rather than how can I get the team to do what I want. And like goes with the with the product owner. I think that's a that's a pretty common thing I've seen on multiple Scrum teams, where the product owner starts taking up the role of like the manager of the developers rather than being a member of the team. And I think that's a mistake. It's very important to make the distinction between like you're the product owner, not the team owner. Well, Derek, you were sharing some kind of drawings that you had about like how you've seen some teams structured where the product owner is like also kind of sort of the manager and they're outside the team or sometimes they're inside the team and sometimes they're also the kind of sort of the scrum master and all these different things. And I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. I think in my experience, there's so many product owners that don't ever treat themselves like a team. Like most of the time they don't, except when it behooves them. So if there's a decision to be made or they're involved somehow in 
some like the what the team's going to do next or something like that. Then they they're definitely part of the team. But when it comes to maybe being responsible for everything or like the kind of not special treatment scenarios, uh, they always view themselves as like, oh, I know I'm I'm just separate. I'm not part of the team. You know, I'm I'm this product person in this whole other organization. You know, I report to the different tree. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's difficult. Like I I go back and forth between where I think the product owner really. You know, I definitely don't think I definitely think the team should not be reporting to the product owner from an organizational structure perspective. Right. Like I definitely don't see a ton of value in that or any value in that and see a lot of conflict. But I I, I kind of go back and forth between whether they're part of the team or not part of the team. Um, certainly they're not part of this, the development team or the product team or whatever you want to call the like people doing the work work. Right, like they're not going right. to pair with one of the developers. Yeah, but I get a lot of questions, you know, should the product owner be a stand-up? Should the product owner be part of the retrospective? You know, a number, a number of kind of pieces on it. And, and, and I get, I get really... <sighs> indecisive because on one hand I really think they're really more they are the customer right if we really think about it they are a proxy for the customer and so I don't think the customer is should be part of the team but I think they should be in damn close proximity and interacting with the team and collaborating with the team a ton right and so like when it comes to stand-ups yeah I think they should probably be there just so that if the team has questions like there can be some dialogue that happens right when it comes to retrospective i don't know i'm kind of a that's little more torn retrospective because i that's one thing i've the pattern i've seen a lot is the product owner will treat the retrospectives as optional where when they think they want to be there or there's something that's on their mind then they're definitely going to be there and they're going to be you know a lot of voice in the room but when there's some other conflicting meeting or maybe they don't really have anything to say that particular retrospective they kind of treat it like, yeah, I don't really need to be there. Yeah, I, but I have seen where the team will make some decision about something that affects the product owner when they're not there. And then it's kind of like get, they get all up in arms. Like, well, hold on. You guys can't make choices without me. you know. But, well, you kind of optionally decided not to come to the meeting. So right. what do you want? Yeah. I kind of feel like it is important for the product owner to be present at the retrospectives for exactly what you mentioned. Like if there's just because they don't have a problem, like the rest of the team might still have stuff they want to bring up with them. And they probably should be bringing it up throughout the week, but I totally think they should be part of the retrospectives, and I think they should be sitting with the team, and they should be participating in the stand-ups. I mean, uh, other than having the authority to choose the priority of the work, I think they should be a team member. I, I agree they shouldn't be pairing on any of the work because there's a conflict of interest there, but I totally think that they should be involved in all the other ceremonies. So I, one of the things that I see is a problem with that is there becomes too much familiarity, and then they actually do not do the product ownership role well enough, right? When, I, when I'm the customer, and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I am the customer of a service, when I'm no longer happy with the service, I can voice that very strongly that I'm not happy. And I can even say I'm so unhappy that I'm willing to go get my service somewhere else. I'm sorry, Target, if you piss me off, Walmart is more than willing to take my money, and they're pretty close to the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Where if I work at Target, now it becomes very difficult for me to say, "Hey, Target, if you, you know, if I have a bad experience, I'm going to stop uh, working here because I have a bunch of friends, and you maybe. know, if, if if I'm negative about it, then like people stop shopping there, and then maybe I lose my job." And I see that happen with product owners. I think that consider themselves too integrated into the team. Is I think the benefit is like there's more you know hey we're all in this together which I think is really good, but I think that they lose their objectivity with the team to kind of say like ultimately. So maybe they're getting like they would get to a point where they might be too comfortable 
Yes. Like, you know, they, they spend so much time with the team and they don't want to necessarily, like, they think the team's doing a good job and they're, they know they're trying really hard and all those kind of things. But they're, you know, if, if I'm the target consumer, like, do I think everybody at Target's trying really hard? I guess, but that, I don't really care. You know, if they piss me off enough, I'm going to go somewhere else, right? Right. Right. But I think that, I think that's just a, like, I think that's bad product ownership. Like, you shouldn't, effort, effort shouldn't matter, right? Like, I kind of feel that that is not choosing, um, like, not, not having the courage to actually say what you think and not being honest with yourself about how you really feel. But th- does it make it easier to get in that position if you spend too much time with the team or you treat yourself like you're, you know, you're in it with the team kind of thing? Yeah, I, I agree that that definitely makes it easier, but I don't think that that excuses that behavior. Right. No, no, I don't well, I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, right, like there is no product owner. Like the team is the product owner, right? Or they're sitting with the customer who is really guiding the sure. product, mm-hmm. right? Or you're doing something that is lean startup enough that like you are getting instant feedback, right? And everybody's providing value to the team. The problem is we don't live in that world. And so I'd say the same. When I said we don't live in that world, I'd say that most of these organizations that are trying to, to do an agile adoption are so far from that that I don't think they can jump right into that. In the same way, I don't think they're adult enough to be like that. So I think you're absolutely right. I should be able to say no hurt feelings, and it doesn't matter how much Clayton and I are friends. If I if I believe the work we're doing is not quality, I should be able to have that discussion. Right. And, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about his hurt feelings. But the reality is that that's not the case of most people in corporate America going through trans transformation but, but it is which we stri- what they should be striving it for is, i mean that's yes. that's why we use the core protocols i right. mean we have that kind of atmosphere within integrum where it's yeah. it's not that i don't want to hurt your feelings it's because i respect you and appreciate right. the work that i'm going to give you this feedback well, or, I mean, or, or I, tell you the truth I, I think this is why i struggle with agile a lot right like if we really mm-hmm. look at the ideal scrum is kind of bullshit right like mm-hmm. the whole creating this big schedule and doing all these burn downs and doing a lot of this stuff like to me if we're all adults and we're all acting in the right way and we're all part of the product and we're all that like why do we need a scrum master why do we need a product and we're like why do we need any of this to begin with and i think some of it is you know are these things just tools you know are some of the process is there just is tools to help us build discipline and once we kind of have some of that discipline and we're like mature enough to do that then like that all that stuff really just becomes optional at that point yeah so it's kind of like bootstrapping the team Mm -hmm. and then letting it run on its own i think that's fair i think most people that think they're at that level it's one of those things right if you think you're an expert programmer you're probably not an expert programmer so if you think you don't need any discipline reinforcing you know process you probably aren't disciplined enough to to go without it Mm -hmm. Uh, i wanted to just you know go back to one thing you mentioned at the beginning derek about the the kind of scenario where the the product owner is getting um getting like some stakeholder feedback for instance where they're saying like the scenario of you know the product manager told me that the next thing we're doing is this so we're doing that um and kind of comparing that to what you know the the what they're supposed to be doing which is being the a customer basically and i think those two things are misaligned and so does, do you think that probably uh takes away from the product owner credibility when yes. you know yes. they're, they're not they're not representing the customer they're representing some other person yes in the I, I had this conversation today in spades um a common thing that i hear all the time is if clayton is the boss and i am the product owner and roy is part of the development team and i come in and i say hey roy i'm we're going to switch you know this sprint and we're going to do this this big big project x 
and you feel like this is just the dumbest thing and that we always try to do it and we never really do it and you don't understand and so you ask me well why, why are we doing that why why are we not doing the big thing that you said was so important last week why are we doing that and my answer is well because Clayton said Clayton said we need to do it and so we just need to do it okay mom said we need to do right. it well what happens is all credibility like I, I become the barking dog with no teeth that has no bite because I have now told Roy I have no authority at all I just do what Clayton tells me mm-hmm. so at that point now from that point forward everything I say is just utter BS because Roy's just going like why am I even listening to Derek because it, to it, it, it's two seconds later yeah. Clayton's gonna walk in here and tell us whatever he told That's us true. was crap anyways yeah right? you seem expendable at that point yes. right Okay, I just wanted to cover that real and, quick. And, I and so I would it. say, if you're in that position, I mean, this is you know what I've been coaching products. <laughs> it's owners. the real world follow up. The <laughs> real world follow up because I I, I want to make sure that people understand is never ever say somebody upstream told me what it is your responsibility as a product owner. If Clayton tells me our new priority is X, I need to ask Clayton why. I need to understand why. So that when Roy asks, why are we doing this? I don't say because Clayton says. I say, because as a business, we need to do X, Y, Z. We need to achieve this. We need to do that, right? And when, I, when I'm when i able to do that, I have the respect and authority necessary to guide the team in the future. Right? And it's no longer, even though like I'm not the one who came up with the idea, I don't need to represent, well, this you know, and I'm not taking credit for the idea. I'm, I'm basically shielding, you know, you don't need to understand what every part of the business is doing. Roy is a team, right? You just need to trust me that I'm doing the right thing for the product and uh, the team. All right. I think we're out of time. So thanks. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.